Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. this book, right? And, and the reason why my hope is, is I don't know how everybody studies their Bible. I don't know what your plan is. I don't know like what you do, like rent share, like reading through the Bible. And I think that's great. One of the things I would love to, to strongly encourage us all to learn to do and to become uh, habitually using this uh, methodology is reading the Bible book by book. Right? Sometimes we take the Bible and we turn it into something that it isn't, okay? And one of the most common things that we end up doing is we take the Bible and we use it as like this devotional kind of grab bag, right? It's just a devotional and we have like, you know, we have our own little disconnected devotionals in the morning and those things can be fine. It doesn't mean that there's anything inherently horrible about that. Except the Bible wasn't written for that purpose, right? It was written to be read all the way through a book at a time. And, and I appreciate what Brent shared. We don't, you don't have to read it from Genesis to Revelation. You can read it in different ways and all that kind of stuff. But that's my hope that we truly are studying our Bible and we're getting an idea of what is the flow. What is the flow of, of Peter's writings here, okay? Um, 
This was my little synopsis up to this point of what Peter has written um, as he's writing to exiles. Because you have hope in the inheritance given you through the resurrection of King Jesus, and although you're being subjected to suffering, conduct yourselves as kingdom people by remembering and imitating the example of Jesus showed while here on earth. That's my own personal summary of looking at that and and getting my mind wrapped around large areas of scripture to get the flow of this. And you may have written something different. You may have, maybe this isn't something you do. This is something that's helpful for me to keep an idea going of what's the uh, kind of the thought process of Peter here. Okay, Uh, because this is really the crazy thing is, is we're called to live eternal life today. All right. It's it's later and it's now, though, too. It's this quality of life. Right. We talked about this before. Eternal life is a quality of life lived in Christ today and forever. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy and simple and everything goes our way. Right. It's not based on circumstance. It's based on Jesus. It's based on our king. It's based on on our hope in the in this inheritance that we've been talking about. So that's where, it, you know, if Peter was able to come amongst us, you know, my hope is, is that we're hitting this to a point where he's going, yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to call the church. And I'm trying to call these exiles to, hey, don't forget, come into this kingdom culture and don't forget about this hope that you have. And don't forget that suffering isn't something that has to just be what, like, you know, it is something that dictates your behaviors or anything like that. So it really is a call to eternal life. All right. First Peter chapter three, we already saw that in verse eight. He's, he's turning the corner here. He says, he's talking about now finally, and we hear right, we have in verse 13 here, we're going to go ahead and read through. Um, we're going to probably, I'll just stop right around 17, but verse 13 Peter writes this sentence. He says, and who will harm you if you are deeply committed to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be disturbed, but honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you, for a reason for the hope that is in you. However, do this with gentleness, respect, keeping your conscience clear, so that when you're accused, those who denounce your Christian life will be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Okay, so we're just going to take this at face value. We're just going to read this a little bit. But I always love, one of the things that's helpful for me is um, paying attention to these questions. Because I think the questions, if we just let ourselves sit in them for a minute, uh, they're pretty profound questions. Right? Who will harm you if you are deeply committed to what is good? When we, when we sit with that just a little bit, it seems a little bit preposterous. Going, well, yeah, we can be hurt. Yes, people can come and do bad things. Yes, this seems ridiculous, but we're called to really sit in this. Who will harm you if you're deeply committed to what is good? 
Right? There's, there's this really, there's this thread that seems to work its way through the Bible. And one of those threads is this idea of God talking to a community of people who struggle with fear. The number of times that he talks about having courage and not fearing and all these things. He understands that we as people, like all of us in here, we have a fear problem. We, we all do. There are things that we, that we fear. There are things that take hold of us. There are things that we worry about. There are things that we worry about in the future. And he's really calling us into this. Who will really harm you? Who will truly harm you? If you're committed deeply committed to what is good, right? We just want to sit there for a second and just think about that. Who will? What would that be like? Turn over to Psalm 46. Okay. I love this psalm. Um, one of the things that we all um, have to deal with on a daily basis is who we're allowing ourselves to be influenced by. Yeah. Like we all have to make that decision. I mean, everything, I mean, advertisers are attempting to influence us, our buying decisions and what we think and, and, and you know, politicians are trying to influence us to, to vote for them and, you know, television program, everybody, there's this constant level of voices trying to get you to be influenced to think that way but as disciples it's the same thing will we allow the scripture to influence us in how we think and so when I read this question as I'm going through it who will harm you I'm thinking oh who will Keith who will harm you if you're deep who will do that well I mean I don't know the complete answer except that it's this idea of well in terms of eternal life, nobody will. Like you're safe and you're protected and even what somebody can do to your physical body, it, it doesn't matter. That's not what's important. What's important is being in the kingdom of God, right? Is don't fear the one who can kill the body. But fear the one who can take the soul and send it to hell. Right? I mean, that's one of those teachings, okay? And so, um, to me, uh, there's this idea of, like, okay, how will I be influenced, though, to actually live this out, to actually think through this reasonably and go, well, who will harm me? Like, what is out there that's scary? What is out there that's, that I'm worried about? What is out there that's dangerous? And, and who will harm me? And then, how will I be influenced by the scripture? And Psalm 46 is one of those. All right, so we have this psalm uh, written by, the, it's a song of the sons of Korah. And it starts out in verse one. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and its mountains quake with its turmoil. Okay, so then, I love this because we're hearing from people who are like, man, no matter what, God is our refuge and our strength. Is that what thought influences me and you every single day? No matter what happens, God is our refuge and our strength. That's a place of safety. That's a place of protection. That's a place of peace. 
right? God is our refuge, but how many times do we have to, or how often do we have to continually meditate on this for it to become a normal thought pattern? God is our refuge and our strength. He's a helper found in times of trouble. Verse 4, there is a river, this, its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She won't be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage and kingdoms topple. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come see the works of the Lord who bring devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He burns up the chariots. Stop your fighting and know that I'm God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth, Yahweh of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. All right, that's a wonderful song. But it's also something that is in there because it's meant to become our reality. Like it's meant to be our reality. Now here's what's going to be difficult is everyone in here, okay, there is a different way you are processing things in your life that scare you, right? Some things may make you angry. Some things may make you timid. Some things may make you anxious, like you're already thinking ahead. And some things may make you panic. Some of these things, and they're already there, but there's different ways. And please understand something. What the world tells us isn't correct when it comes to fear, yeah. all right? It, the, the, world, the, the world doesn't believe that we actually, through the Holy Spirit, can overcome fear, right? It's just kind of like, no, that's how you're going to be. But isn't it great to know in the kingdom of God that there is hope for that, that there's hope today for that? Not just like, man, I can't wait until there's a day when we kind of like are not worried, we're not scared, we're not any of those things, but we get a chance here from the sons of Korah, this song that they've given us, to go, you know what, God is my refuge, and we're going to be tempted. This is what's tough. Is It's kind of like what Brent shared, and I really love this, is if we live our lives in, in terms of like photographs, like just like static photographs of decisions that we make, okay, is that we become very discouraged because every decision we make becomes terminal judgment. Like, oh man, I made this mistake. What? You know, man, you're, you shouldn't have done that. Why can't you do this better? Why aren't you a better Christian? Why don't you understand these things more? Instead of going, hold on a minute, man, we're on this journey. We're on this journey and we're moving along and we're making decisions and there's this dynamic process. And so instead of like getting super judgmental when we butt up against fear and insecurity and like panic of going, okay, hey, this is... This is the reason these things are written is because we are going to interface with this emotion and going, okay, we, we can begin to faithfully turn ourselves towards what does God tell us? Like, what's he telling me and what's he telling you? And what does it mean to be a refuge and your strength? And what's it mean even when you go into one of my favorites in Psalm 23 is like, even though you walk through the darkest valley, we don't fear. Why? Because you're with me. Like, that's all that matters. So who will harm you if you're deeply committed to what's good? Even if you suffer, the next verse, if, even if you suffer for righteousness, 
All right? You'll be blessed. And it's this idea of even if somebody's like creating a situation of, of pain and suffering and slander and all of these things, it's Jesus saying, but no, I, I'm with you. Like what will matter is my presence with you. Amen. Like that, that's so important. It's like that understanding of who will harm you. Well, but yeah, you may be physically harmed, but the presence of Jesus right. is what gives us calm <laughs> and peace. It's not like getting rid of the suffering necessarily. It's that idea of going, no, your presence is what brings me peace and this idea of refuge and fortress and rock and all of these things, strongholds. And so, again, will me and you wake up tomorrow and be just nailing this perfectly? You know what? Somebody might. But most of us won't. Okay? But it's this idea of going, am I committed? Am I deeply committed to what's good? Or will I kind of keep my ear open and be influenced by the world and everybody around me and all these different kinds of things? And so this was a part I just wanted to spend a second, uh, just a little bit of extra time on that, because I just want us to really call our attention to these times when when Peter is really asking us to be courageous and asking us to consider our fear and asking us to consider this insecurity and not to live in it, but to turn and go, man, here's what's great about the kingdom of God is God and his power and his strength and all these things. So, but even if you should suffer for righteousness, he said, you're blessed, right? What a mature mindset that is. Isn't it? I mean, we're talking about, remember last year we talked about moving on to maturity, and that hasn't ever stopped, all right? But what a mature attitude this is of being able to go, you know, I'm suffering, and it's for righteousness, and man, I am blessed because of that. Can, can you imagine, like, what does the world say about attitudes like that? Right? And not making it up either. It's this idea, again, of this immense presence of God in us to going, yeah, suffering is not great. There's no way to make suffering feel okay or to feel better or any of these things. But going, but I'm, I'm blessed. Because that's what God tells me. It's his presence that's doing this, right? Don't fear what they fear or be disturbed, but honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Okay, again, he's just kind of passed along this idea. What is it like to be in the kingdom of God? What's the culture of the kingdom of God? A lot of times in churches and in different groups, we want to think about how do I build healthy culture? Okay, that's oftentimes what can be asked. How do you build healthy culture in a church? See, our job isn't to build healthy culture. Our, our job is to understand what kingdom culture is and conform ourselves to that. There's already a healthy culture, okay? It's just a matter of, will I like conform to this and go, oh, man, healthy kingdom culture is honoring the Messiah as Lord in my heart. All right, that's just a part of healthy kingdom culture. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. All right, that, that's a good one. That's a, that's a good one to... Stop for just a second here, okay? So when he's teaching us 
um, about this idea of how do we live eternal life today? It's like, well, man, like conform yourself to this kingdom culture that looks crazy from the world. It looks crazy to be compassionate and humble and submissive and all of these different things. It seems crazy to accept suffering and, and think you're blessed. All of these things are crazy. And he says, but here's what's really important to do is be prepared for people to ask you, why do you have any hope at all? Like, why do you have hope? Now, every one of us may not be in that place where you're suffering right now for righteousness. But there are going to be times when there is like unjust suffering in our life. And for people to be able to ask this question, they have to acknowledge there's something different about how these people are viewing their circumstances. Like there's something different, there's something peculiar about living in the kingdom of God where people are like, hold on a minute, that isn't how normally people respond to these things. Like, where, why do you have hope? So here's the interesting thing is Peter's already told us why. He's already given us the answer. In chapter 1. Now one of the things that you'll notice as you read this over and over and over again. Peter is a man who is not ashamed to keep reminding us of the same things over and over and over again. Okay, And so when you read his writings all the time, you're going, oh, you're going back here. You've already told us this. First Peter chapter 1, he says, praise God in verse 3. He's told us in his idea of being prepared to give this answer of why we have hope. In verse 3, he says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through faith for salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. There's the answer right there. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope. Man, it's this inheritance. If you know, man, this would be something really great to pray for, I think. It's God. Like, order my life in a way that people would ask, like, why do you even have any hope? So that I can say this thing. <laughs> you know, man, so I can say it's because of this inheritance that can be faith. Imperishable and is kept in heaven, and I'm being actually protected by God's strength. That's why I'm not worried about circumstances. Again, we're getting in this, this beautiful picture of what mature Christianity looks like in the kingdom of God. Right. And so it's this idea of putting ourselves up to this and go, okay, like how am I gonna pray for this this week? How am I gonna pray? I'm gonna pray for an opportunity to share this with somebody or to share this with my family or to allow my children to see this. To go, here's why I have hope. This is why we don't have to panic. Amen. We don't have to panic, okay? Is this idea of going, man, I am protected, and we as a church are protected by God's strength. Okay? It's this idea of um, we rejoice even though we struggle for a short period of time in various in trials. Okay, I mean, there's all of these things. He's already given us this answer. So hopefully, as you're studying 1 Peter 3, that will stick in your mind of this idea of, oh, man, I can go back. He's already given us this answer. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And he goes on and he says, but here's the thing. Do this with gentleness and respect. Okay. 
This isn't always a thing that Christians do well. Okay? It, it isn't. I've done it. I, I can tell you just from places of really deep weakness and sin of how I've proclaimed the gospel, shared the gospel, studied the Bible with people, admonished, corrected, all of these different things in a way that was nothing gentle or respectful. And one of the things that I've learned and that God keeps teaching me is that zeal isn't dependent on being ungentle and disrespectful. All right. Zeal is gentle. Zeal is respectful. Zeal and, and fervor and excitement and all of these things absolutely go hand in hand with gentleness and respect. <clears throat> and not just respect when you feel like that you've received respect back. Right. Again, this is an idea of there's no reason to panic. Oftentimes, like for me, my mouth and my tongue will get all like cattywampus and crazy when I'm panicking on the inside. There's no reason to. If somebody asks for the hope that you have, being able to share it in a way that's not sassy, in a way that's not defensive, Okay, and, and if you go, but he just said, give a defense. No, no, that's different than being defensive. Okay. And do this with gentleness and respect. Here's one of the things that I respect most. When I, when I look at people who've been disciples for a long, long time, one of the things that always is what is a higher calling for me is somebody who can be truthful and honest and straightforward and all these things and they do it gently and respectfully with poise with patience right? those are the kind of things I'm like man this is this is absolutely what we should be aspiring to is this of having this heart right do this with gentleness and respect keeping your conscience clear so that when you're accused those who denounce your Christian life will be put to shame and that will happen. I know, like, <laughs> I spent a lot of years, and maybe you've done this too, of, like, wanting to go, okay, I never want to say anything that's going to hurt somebody. I never want to say anything that could be taken incorrectly. I never want to say anything that's not going to be, like, perfectly encouraging or perfectly, or whatever it is, okay? Except you can't really live that way, right? Like, listen, I'm a flawed guy. And I'm trying my best and being deeply committed to what is good and all these things. And we are going to stumble at times. But there are going to be times, even if we nail it 100% of the time, perfectly in every way, there will be people in our lives. And it's not because we're victims. It's because we're in a spiritual battle. Okay? There will be people that will come in and go, you want to know what? That dude lied. And you didn't. There will be people that come in and misrepresent what you say. There will be people that twist it. There will be people, why? Is it because these people are horrible? No, it's because Satan's for real. Like he's trying to discount the message of Jesus. And so this isn't something that may happen someday. This will happen. And being prepared to go, you know what? I can address this with gentleness and respect. With full fervor and full zeal of Jesus with the desire to, to share truth and make sure truth is like highlighted. I can do all of those things, but I can have a clear conscience so that when you're accused, when I'm accused, because it's, it's okay. See, a false accusation 
you, you can take a deep breath. There's nothing to defend. That's a really great place to be, right? And if you're a fighter, like I'm a fighter, I'm not necessarily somebody that runs away from something. I like a fight. Like I like that. That is one of the really flat sides to my character. Is that I like a fight. Like I want to get in there and go. Okay, come on, let's get you know. And, and go. You know, the thing about this is, is we're we're in a kingdom that is perfect. And by the way, has it's already over. All the battle that's out there, the battle is over. Like in the kingdom, this is like I don't have to defend or be be like put off or any of those things. I'm like I'm grateful to be in the kingdom of God. And, and hopefully if there's slander and all these kind of things, then hey, let's address those with gentleness and respect. Let me share the hope that I have for these things. This is why, right? He says what ultimately happens is, is, that, is that there's shame on people because they'll know when they're lying about you or saying the wrong things or something like that. And he says, it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. And, and that's just one of those things like, okay, how do I draw things out of this? Well, there are these like just basic principles of discipleship in the kingdom. And the basic principle is it's better to suffer for doing good if that's God's will than for doing evil. And, and I think we all understand that. We've suffered, probably all of us in here, understand what it means to suffer for evil and the pain and the disconnect and all that. He says, that's not good. But if you do what's right, if you're deeply committed, to what's right. And then notice this in verse 18, okay, because this is what Peter does a couple of times. He continues to draw us back to this. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Right? Peter doesn't let us get too far into the weeds before he reminds us that, hey, I know this is hard. I know this is really, really difficult, but don't forget our king has already shown us this example. That's a really important part of Peter's writings right here. He says, for Christ suffered once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Can you imagine what that sounds like in prayer? Like, consider that. Like, What would that sound like in prayer if you're going through, and you may be right now, like going through a significant amount of suffering in a way that's just unjust and unfair? And could you imagine what, what a prayer life would look like or sound like of going, okay, this hurts, this is scary, this is painful, I want to retaliate, I want to do all those things, but here's what I know. I'm talking to my king, you suffered for all of us. And let's just keep talking about that until things get better. Okay, let's keep talking about that. That you suffered once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. And God, you did that to bring us to, to your Father. You, you, Jesus did that to bring us to God. All right? And so, thinking through these things, these really difficult emotional things, and considering what does this even sound like as a dialogue with Jesus of acknowledging this truth? that he was put to death and going, man, sometimes, you know, there, there was a time recently where I was just so angry and so frustrated and so just like irate and ready to fight. I mean, I was, I was just coming out of my shoes to like get into this fight. Okay. And then the only thing that I knew to do, and I was like, okay, this is not 
a, a normal strength of mine was to go home and get down on my knees and pray and just pray. Okay, God, these things are happening, but here's what I know about you. I want to be like you. Yeah. And I really, at the same time, I don't really want to. Right. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, can you give me permission this one time to just retaliate? Okay, it's like those words come out of my mouth. I'm like, is there a chance? Is there a loophole anywhere? And then he's like, no, there's not a loophole. But I did set an example for you. And do you have any hope? And, and like just having that is so helpful because I kind of even felt like, okay, I'm, I'm breathing normal again. Oh man, this is okay. You want to know what? The the thought and the and the kind of overwhelming kind of sense that I got was, hey dude, you're okay. It's okay. Okay? There, this isn't requiring a fight right now. For Christ also suffered this way. We're gonna stop right here. I was gonna bring us through verse 19, but this the next verse is. It's, we, we need more time. Okay, we, we need more time. But it's fascinating. Okay, it's Noah. If you've never connected the dots between Noah and baptism, okay, we are going to get into that next week. Okay, it is phenomenal. It is really, really good stuff. Um, but again, as we leave here, of just taking this at face, at, at face value, and again, taking this home and praying and studying and pulling this apart and reading through the scripture again to get an idea of how does this really truly look in my life today. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.